0: Okay. So whose idea was it to go live on Wednesday afternoons? That's what I'd like to know. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of In The Weeds Live for Wednesday afternoon. I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media, and we are so happy to be joined by someone who we just cherish. That's part of our family here at Pro Cannabis Media. His name is Rick Thompson. He comes from Michigan, among other places. Rick, Thank you so much for joining us here live on our LinkedIn Live Wednesday afternoon version of In The Weeds.
1: Well, I I so seldom get cherished. So I really am appreciative of being here today, Jimmy. Thank you for the invite. (laughs) Oh,
0: absolutely, Rick. And, uh, you know, uh, this is only the third time that we've done a In The Weeds live on LinkedIn, as we continue to try new platforms to share our format of news information talk and educational con-, con content is the word content c-o-n-t-e-n-t that's the word about cannabis and i know how to spell cannabis rick tell us a little bit about your background in the cannabis world and the michigan uh element to that
1: well i, I been doing cannabis law reform since 2009. I was the spokesman for the Michigan Association of Compassion Centers, which was the first uh, cannabis trade association in the state of Michigan. I've been a publisher and a writer and a journalist for many, many years on the subject of cannabis. And I'm currently on the board of directors of Michigan Normal, uh, the Redemption Foundation, the Cannabis Caucus of the Michigan Democratic Party, Cannabis Freedom Coalition, and was just named to John Sinclair's foundation as a trustee to help preserve his enduring legacy in the
0: eventual time that he passes from this earth. Well, that first of all, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, You are the man when it comes to Michigan cannabis. And I will say this about you and your jazz cabbage cafe, which is a program that we on pro cannabis media carry live every Tuesday at 4 PM. Am I accurate? Is that accurate? It is. Yes. Yes. Thank you for doing so. Well, no, but I've been watching and I've been seeing some of the characters. Now, can you introduce us a little bit to those that perhaps aren't familiar with the characters like Mr. Hash Bash, for instance? Um, <laughs> I'm going to pick on him because he's the one I remember the most. Um, first of all, to those who perhaps are not as enlightened as we are at PCM TV on what is Hash Bash, uh, explain the role that Hash Bash has played in the Michigan cannabis universe.
1: Well, of course, bash has played a role in the American cannabis experience. It's been going strong for, for 50 years now, uh, since the 70s. Uh, what we're talking about is a gani- gathering annually on the campus of the University of Michigan uh, at the law library on the steps where people openly smoke cannabis, talk about revolution and saving the world. And that's been going on consistently uh, for decades and decades. Now, it was originally started uh, in order to help a man named John Sinclair help get emancipated from prison. John Sinclair was arrested for uh, given 10 years in jail for two joints way back in the, in the late sixties. In fact, it was such a famous case, John Sinc- I'm sorry, John Lennon of the Beatles sang a song about John Sinclair. Uh, they had a big rally in order to free him at the Chrysler arena, which included Bob Seeger and Stevie Wonder and earth, wind and fire and, and John Lennon. So once John Sinclair was freed from jail, uh, they moved the hash bash to its current location, and it's been going strong ever since once a year, the first Saturday in April. And it is universally recognized across the United States as one of those events that's that's been durable, much like the, the smoke smoking in Boston. One of those things you can count on. There's a hemp festival in Madison, Wisconsin that's been going on forever. And then, of course, Seattle Hemp Fest, too. You can almost count on one hand the number of of enduring cannabis celebrations that we have in america every year until 1996 when california started medical
0: right and it, it's so funny because for years and you were talking about the freedom rally in the boston Common, which has been going on i believe now for a little over 30 years uh and is coming back to the boston common this september 2021 um but for years as you know it was an act of civil disobedience when you would partake in a uh an event like Hash Bash or like the Freedom Rally, where you went with a whole bunch of people and you basically dared law enforcement to say, hey, what are you going to do? Arrest all 10,000 of us, 30,000 of us? You knew that wasn't going to happen. So you felt, you know, uh, strength in numbers. You you felt like you could break the law openly um, and, and have an act of civil disobedience, if you will, to share your views on this plant, which was a medicine for thousands of years before the United States of America decided to prohibit it in 1937, which we can certainly get into the history of that if we need to, but we don't need to for this discussion. Um, one of the reasons why I like doing these mid uh, midweek live discussions is you have an opportunity to take a look at the news uh, that is breaking and news that we uh, tend to do on a regular basis here on Pro Cannabis Media. We Talk News is our weekly news report. Rick Thompson does the Michigan Cannabis Report for us every week and we thank you for your insight and your, um, actually we 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 thank him for a lot of things, but the fact that you show up on time every week with something interesting to listen to is is, a, is something we really appreciate. I just want to go out in public and say the, how much we appreciate your your efforts and your
1: contributions, Rick. I heard you're a desperate old man who has nothing else to do, so thanks for showing up on time. Okay, that's uh, all right. I'll accept that. No problem. All, I'm older than you,
0: so you don't get to call me that, all right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're having fun today, but- Yes, we are. And, and you know, it's, it's funny because we have never really done this, right? We've always had, Business discussions and meetings, but we've never really had a chance to chit chat as if we were guests on each other's shows. And uh, I want to go back to Mister Hashbash for a second. Uh, tell us a little bit about the characters that you have on your show on a regular basis on Tuesdays that we carry here, and by the way, are also available on demand on our PCM TV platforms, as it were.
1: Pretty sure those people just consider themselves people not characters but i like to think of them as characters too uh (laughs) jamie lowell is my co-host for jazz cabbage cafe he and i are best friends for about a decade now and we've done a lot of cannabis law reform together um we also have deborah young who's a regular on there too she's one of the founders of jazz cabbage cafe deborah's a a notorious Activist in the democratic party for a long time and was also a board member of the mi legalized movement which uh, was successfully able to get cannabis legalized in the state of michigan in 2018 um, we also sometimes feature uh, uh jim salame jim salame is a, an ann arbor guy he's one of those folks uh, from decriminalized nature ann arbor that helped get entheogenic substances legalized for use within the city of ann arbor which then eventually expanded out into the entire county. Now with decriminalized Michigan, he's trying to get entheogenic substances approved on a statewide level, as opposed from municipality to municipality. He now, does a he does a show called The Entheo Show, where they sp- focus specifically on
0: entheogenic substances like mushrooms. Okay, right, I was gonna say, define that fancy word as mushrooms, is that what we're talking about? Well, now, you know, it, I'm a, that's something we may not agree on, okay? Um, perhaps because I'm not enlightened with this, with the substance. Okay. And a lot of my friends growing up always felt, oh, Jimmy, you got to do shrooms, man. They're unbelievable. You'd be great on shrooms. Oh my God. That'll be funny. Never did them. Okay. And I believe now that the argument of another plant medicine, psilocybin in this particular case, um, which isn't as fancy a word as the one you used, because I've never heard that word before. So I just decided to use the fancy word I know. Um, and, the point is you know one of the biggest myths of cannabis is it's a gateway drug and i've always resisted that and i've never liked that because i've always felt like shouldn't the advocacy just be for one plant medicine at a time as opposed to you know feeding that gateway through oh sure next thing you're going to want to do is heroin and lsd and i'm like no no and no that being said uh you don't see that you think plant medicines should all be in one well i think
1: we should treat plant medicines as they are scientifically designed to be treated you know let's group like things together and let's treat them the same and then let's take things that aren't the same and treat them differently what we're seeing now is that that uh, psychologically uh, science is advancing to the point where entheogenic substances, which is that fancy word, entheogens are now being considered uh, to help people with schizophrenia, with post-traumatic stress disorder. And you're absolutely right, Jimmy, to say that part of the the reason why we're so enlightened about some of those additional plant medicines is because of the progress that's been made from cannabis law reform. People wouldn't even consider mushrooms because they consider that way more dangerous than cannabis. But now if you consider cannabis to be not dangerous, well, those mushrooms... You know, they're not as dangerous as you may have thought they were either. And now that science is backing up some of the things that we as individual consumers already knew about these substances, it becomes more socially acceptable. And yeah. what we're talking about is, is a lot of experiences that that create a big pool of anecdotal evidence. But that doesn't really convince lawmakers. It's it's only when they get the, the proper science, the lawmakers are convinced. So right now we see the citizenry has advanced faster than government
0: has as far as acceptance of those substances and this just into the pcm newsroom gallup poll finds almost half of u.s adults have actually tried marijuana yeah. Were you shocked Actually, by- that's, that's the second time gallup
1: has come up with that that uh, uh uh result they did that a couple of years ago prior to COVID as well so
0: and uh, not a surprise headline
1: no it's not it, when you take a look at some of the studies that are done um recognize that oftentimes surveys are questionable are they landline surveys are they mobile surveys are they human surveys where someone stands on a corner and only talks to the people that walk past them but when you see survey after survey after survey pointing to the fact that there are far more people that have been cannabis consumers on the on the down low uh, for decades and they're just now being able to to feel comfortable to reveal that You really understand exactly how important cannabis has been to the development of the united states of america but you also understand jimmy exactly how not dangerous cannabis is when you consider the true number of users out there you look at your newspapers or your your news feed you don't see things like stone driver causes 15 car pile up or stone driver uh, commits a homicide you don't and with millions and millions and millions of americans using cannabis every single day and no evidence of any negative health consequences, I think it's time that we stopped treating cannabis like a Schedule One drug and started treating it like the health supplement it really is.
0: Yeah. Well, that's one of the theories and one of the reasons why I started Pro Cannabis Media in the first place. And then, of course, you and I connected. And uh, the rest is history, as they, as they say. Um, another headline that has come across my desk this afternoon uh, is CBD now clearly linked to reduced alcohol consumption. And, you know, you and I may look at that headline and say, CBD, why not THC and or both has and and what is the role of the in the future of the alcohol industry with the cannabis plant? Um, What's your feeling about that and don't you think it's just inevitable that ultimately the regulatory board in the United States, the Alcohol Beverage Commission, will be the one that oversees cannabis consumption or am I reaching here?
1: I think you're reaching a little bit the Food and Drug Administration is where uh, the the Schumer bill puts responsibility for the cannabis industry at that point. And the Food and Drug Administration has been very cautious about allowing cannabinoids to be mixed into foodstuffs. They're very, very mean on CBD right now. One of those other uh, articles you may have seen recently talks about how the FDA has just cracked down and, and denied an application for two different groups to include CBD into consumable products. It's a tough sell. And when you talk about the potentially intoxicating effects of a cannabinoid alongside the absolutely intoxicating effects of an alcoholic beverage, federal regulators are going to have a hard time saying yes to that, even though normal consumers would probably just do that out of happenstance.
0: Right. And that's why I actually put it out there as the ABC as opposed to the FDA because I don't like the FDA I think the FDA is more corrupt than anything right now I don't think they understand what to do with this product in the beginning let alone uh its future use and they can't they couldn't they still can't figure out hemp Rick. Right hemp in 2018 with the farm bill was supposedly legal, but of course they didn't decide to talk to the FDA first about exactly what does that legal mean what does that word mean. um, In that in that universe of uh, of law that you are so well uh, versed in, if you will Uh, it's a very Gray area right now and it's still being discussed and, as you mentioned um, Charlotte's web perhaps the most. Recognized CBD component that has perhaps the the uh, the greatest depth of stories of benefits um, denied as being part of a dietary supplement by the FDA as as early as last week. That was the lead story, by the way, on We Talk News. I just want to throw that out there. Um, so I guess my point is, you still maintain it's going to be FDA controlled because of what Schumer's bill is. Which, by the way, which part of that bill is actually going to survive at all, if any of it? What we're seeing now is there's still a a culture, a
1: regulatory culture of no when it comes to anything related to the cannabis sativa plant. That includes hemp, which is an unfortunate bystander that's that's just been damaged by this entire conversation. Hemp should be should be fueling our automobiles. We should be allowing other nations to plant hemp and we should be helping indigenous people across the planet plant hemp in order to create food, fuel, and fiber for their own personal use. It's a freedom plant, and it's something that could literally save lives. But instead, we're stuck here in the United States of America in an FDA quagmire, a morass, shall we speak. And, and at the same time, other nations are streamlining their programs and they're getting an edge on us in an international market where this is just a commodity to them. They don't recognize the, har- the harm or danger that America seems to want to attach to these products. And they're ready to move into the new economy, the new cannabis based economy, and we are just slowly dragging ourselves in there. Part of that's due to our our system, Uh, part of that's due to the anti cannabis lobbying forces that have been present in every single state of the Union and are present in Washington DC lobbying for no or for weak cannabis laws to be enabled on a federal level.
0: Yeah, uh, it's funny how um, we haven't quite come in contact with a lot of those people. Um, They exist, though. And are they mostly fueled by big pharma, substance abuse communities? Where where are those lobbyists and where are they hiding these days? Well, you'll find them in two different flavors.
1: One flavor is the we absolutely hate it. Don't do anything. And the other flavor is we like it, but only for big business. For example, North Carolina's uh, looking at a potential bill right now that would allow only 10 cultivators throughout the entire state. You remember in your history that Ohio tried a cultivation situation like that to legalize cannabis and their voters rejected it. Voters in Arizona also rejected an improper legalization proposal before they approved adult use later on. So you're seeing a lot of folks out there that are saying, slow down on cannabis, just give it to the big guys. Those people we can deal with. The people like kevin Sabet, who say no to cannabis they, they call cannabis the next big tobacco they want no cannabis laws to be enacted or or if they are cannabis laws they're prohibitive instead of empowering so those people are very well funded you're you're looking at uh, one of the kennedys patrick kennedy is one of the founding members of the sam which is smart approaches to marijuana kevin Sabet, doctor kevin sabat is the is the front man for that but they have state agencies in every state considering cannabis and they're putting a lot of money into it people used to think that it was the uh the coke brothers uh koch those guys that were funding that stuff it's uncertain where they're getting their funds now since the the coke brothers seem to be looking more towards adopting a cannabis friendly national program although it would absolutely just benefit their particular business interest and would not empower home cultivation or or caregiving of any kind
0: what what's your and i think we both recognize the medicinal qualities of this plant whether it is the hemp based one that doesn't have the thc um that is the intoxicating chemical in the plant versus uh the cannabis sativa with the thc of course i don't want to get into um limits on thc because that too is it has reared its ugly head and and yet I see states like Texas allowing Delta 8 THC to be legally sold and marketed in a state that's pretty anti-cannabis last time I checked, right? I mean, that's absolutely true. Yeah, there's a, a so much confusion
1: about Delta 8 right now. You, you, It's difficult to understand where a lot of places are, are drawing their information from. Here in Michigan, we just passed a law assigned by the governor that allows Delta-8 to be regulated like regular THC products does. But in other states like Texas, who's not a friend of the THC molecule, they're embracing Delta-8. 8. Delta-8 8 is traditionally considered to be, uh, let's call it THC light. It has an intoxicating effect, but it's not to the degree of THC. So where's their moral compass in Texas? What are they doing? Are they saying no to sick kids that could benefit from a, a, a Charlotte's Web type of a RSO? Or are they saying yes to people who just want to dabble recreationally in a Delta-8? That, that's a mixed message there.
0: Yeah, have you ever tried the Delta-8 oil?
1: I have actually, I, I've had tried Delta-8 in uh, several different inhaled forms too. Um, we do vapor cartridges here in the state before that got regulated and they shut that down. Uh, I've had some Delta-8, it's, it's not
0: bad. No, I, well, I, however you describe what bad is, uh, that being said, you get buzzed off delta eight oil. You you get an intoxicating high off a legally produced product in a lab, right? I mean it's fake, it's fake THC when you get right down to it. It's not Delta 9, which is derived from the actual plant, correct?
1: You're absolutely right. Part of the problem with Delta-8 is the way in which it's extracted from plants. You can take, for example, a hemp plant that has predominantly CBD and doesn't have any THC or or an immeasurable amount of it, and you can convert that CBD to Delta-8, but the process involves acid washes and difficult ways to split molecules apart and then reassemble them and one of the reasons why delta is not on the market in michigan even though it's it's allowable is because we haven't proven a successful way to manufacture delta-8 that can pass testing and regulatory standards. So Delta-8 is very much a mysterious thing. Even though Dr. Rafi Mishulam uh, discovered it, you know, in the 60s back in Israel, no one ever really considered this until there were all these giant quantities of hemp sitting around not being able to be marketed. And finally, some genius said, you know what? We can take that hemp and turn something good out of it. Yeah.
0: And, and that's where chemistry interfered. And, and that's human behavior. I mean, when you get right down to it, we're talking about human behavior with a product that has been used for thousands of years. Okay. Yeah. It was only made illegal in 1937. And then the Supreme Court basically said, well, that was that was wrong in 1969 when Timothy Leary went to the Supreme Court and said, Hey guys, uh, this is unconstitutional. This was a medicine then, and it's a medicine now, and and all this. And, and then uh, Tricky Dicky comes along and he puts his Controlled Substances Act in, and he basically, you know, used his racist and uh, anti-hippie words to say, we don't want this as part of our society. You know, Mr. Nixon, who was no longer, was had to resign in embarrassment because we figured out, hey, guess what? This guy was a crook, wasn't he? He didn't wanna be, but he sure was one, wasn't he? And he still made it all the way to the presidency. Let's not regress, shall we? Let's move forward. I wanna ask you, have you, with all this green rush, with all the money now that's being attached to the cannabis industry, with the investment dollars that are in place, with the stock market in Canada now trading stocks, with companies in the United States of America like Leafly and Weedmaps going public, in and has the stigma is it starting to come down are people starting to recognize and read about the science and research that's driving this has it are are we starting to get some acceptance i mean i did see three u.s senators actually preach the legalization of cannabis a few weeks ago i did see
1: that didn't i you did and i think we are we are normalizing cannabis use, but this is another example of where the citizenry is ahead of government. We have people that are willing to accept cannabis in their communities, but the, their local municipality won't allow them to have cannabis businesses there. Right. So what we're seeing is, is a, a mind shift on the part of, of individual consumers, but not necessarily on the part of decision makers. And I find that to be true almost any state that we take a look at. Um, Here in Michigan, out of, uh, I think, 1,700 municipalities, only about 107 have said yes to cannabis businesses so far. So even in a state where we're doing $171 million a month in cannabis sales, which we did in July, we still only have a handful of places that say okay. So yes,
0: but also no on that gradually improving acceptance yeah it it nothing's happening fast that's for sure and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i just hope that eventually that we make some progress i, I mean i'm big on needless to say Giving an opportunity for businesses and those who have been most impacted by the the failed war on drugs to get into this industry, one way or another, whether we expunge the records of those who've been incarcerated with cannabis possession crimes. You mentioned uh, John Sinclair with a couple of joints in the '60s or '70s. You know there are people that were still getting busted and being put in jail two or three, four years ago for possession crimes, even less than that. And they're still going to jail. Prosecutors don't want to prosecute cannabis possession crimes anymore. They just don't, it's a waste of their time. And I think if, if anything that has evolved that has been positive by the movement, uh, that has been a good thing. Okay, We recognize that we've made mistakes. We're looking for a way to make up for it. However, the almighty dollar is involved here, Rick. Can the companies that have started this business in the United States, can they create ways to come up with a compromise that allows everybody to get a shot at getting into this business? Or is the almighty dollar always going to be the one thing that dictates policy moving forward in a capitalist society? that? One of the
2: real
0: real concerns
1: about the Schumer bill is the uh, allowance for interstate transport and the, the federal forbiddance of states to prevent out-of-state cannabis from coming into their their borders remember that there are 50 states and not all 50 states have said yes to medical marijuana let alone yes to recreational or adult use marijuana when you have the federal government saying you don't get to say no to cannabis you have a lot of people hating the federal government and the real concern in my mind is that here in Michigan we have a very open licensing policy we have hundreds of people that have achieved some degree of wealth from licensing, either a cultivation center a retail center, distribution, uh, delivery service, testing labs. If you open things up on a national basis, it's entirely possible you could have a a couple of centers in Colorado or California supplying most of uh, the quantity of cannabis across the United States of America and really destroy all of the small business successes that we've seen, not just in Michigan, but in other states too, Illinois, Ohio, Massachusetts, Florida, some of those uh, Oklahoma specifically, wow, we have to be cautious about the federal program that we put in. But the biggest danger comes from those big money interests convincing lawmakers in Washington, D.C. that the only way to do this is to have everything tested to one standard and have everything done on one particular level. That's a trap. Because the standard in Massachusetts for testing is lower than the standard in Michigan. Michigan has some of the toughest standards in the United States. But I still believe Massachusetts has safe cannabis. Just because their testing standards are lower doesn't mean that it's unsafe. So whose standards do you adopt on a federal level? And which states have to make compromises that they're not willing to do in order to get federal legalization? The best way to do it, Jimmy, the way that that defeats that whole big money lobby is to let individual states do their own thing. Just remove it from the schedule of controlled substances and do not attach federal taxes to it. Do not attach federal regulatory schemes. Just take it off the schedule and let states do their own thing. Um, The likelihood of that maybe not so hot because guys like the National Cannabis Industry Association Marijuana Policy Project, uh, they are absolutely looking to defend the interest of their money interests which are the, the big the big dollar guys so you, you have to worry about the way laws are crafted and, and to
0: determine whether or not they're going to be laws that are good for the people or good for business um first of all i, I want to go back to something you said about the testing standards um and i, I believe you took a shot at my friends in massachusetts who i did not about- Yes, you did. You said that we, Massachusetts prides itself on they have more testing for pesticides than any other state. Okay. That's what they, uh, look, this is what, these are what the laws were said. I, when I talk to MCR labs and other testing labs in this state, they say, you know, we have more, we test for more uh, pesticides in our state than any other state. So I guess my question to you right back at you is who's right here? Well, I don't know that there is a right, Jimmy, because
1: what's the standard for tough testing? Is it the number of things you test for or is it a restricted way in which you can test, which eliminates some of those marginal testing things? In Michigan, we just eliminated one particular testing uh, methodology because it just wasn't yielding good results. So we're still in the process of getting it right. Everybody is. So I don't right. think it's it's right for us to attack each other over testing, my friend Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I wasn't, I wasn't, I
0: didn't oh, attack. Were. I just, I just hey, thought man. it was interesting because it, it, you know, when I talk to the labs, they all say, well, we have the strictest testing in, in the nation and you know i'm pretty sure when i had an opportunity to talk with steve hoffman who's the head of the cannabis board he said the same thing because we wanted to put together you know so that the people that had access to the medical cannabis had the best tested product and i'm like okay as someone who has an access to it i'm certainly happy about that when i go into a dispensary and i purchase i'm confident that it's been tested properly and all that but i you know you're right though rick because there isn't standardized testing it's like it's like education. Standardized education testing doesn't exist when you go state to state anyway because everybody's state standards are different, right? Well, that's what it's the same
1: philosophy about a national minimum wage. Uh, you know, 11 dollars an hour in California means a lot something different than 11 dollars an hour in West Virginia. So you have to you have to allow each individual state to adopt a comfort level with their laws, to craft laws which work for their individual people and their individual circumstance too. So just blindly saying, I don't I don't care what you say, Colorado, Oregon or or Tennessee, you're gonna do it our way and that's the way the DEA say. It's right. just not a program that, that people are going to accept. And let's for, let's never, ever forget that there is an overwhelming, overpowering, and all-pervasive illegal market in cannabis, which everyone has access to. I don't care whether you know the guy or you don't know the guy. Everybody can access that. And participation in the regulated market is optional, Yeah.
0: optional, let me not ask, mandatory. Right. Let me, let me ask you a question. You know we talk about interstate commerce and you talked about California and the legacy market we like to I like it I like the legacy market right as a as a euphemism for the non-legal market uh, I got a message on messenger right messenger another social media platform the guy's selling me weed on messenger mm-hmm. okay and he, he's asking me to make an order through messenger which I think is a Facebook owned property am i right am i right right Right. and and yet that came across my messenger list today and i'm like he's got he's got um ounce rate card he's got the tinctures he's got the concentrates i'm and then of course there's this little line at the end remember this is not legal this is not allowed by law okay so basically he's soliciting me You know, can't believe he actually found me. And knew, knew, knew that I was a user of, um, and and is now soliciting me to buy from him, which I did not do. And I definitely enjoy my medical program that I support, uh, and my uh, the supporting sponsor of our show. It's it's Revolutionary Clinics, the number one medical uh, program uh, dispensary in Massachusetts. So I always try to give them a plug because. Uh, but I, I, I want to end with this one comment about media coverage. Okay. Whenever the industry does something wrong, and whatever that guy, whoever that guy is that was soliciting me, as far as I'm concerned, is doing something wrong, it waves a flag and it shows that the industry can't police itself or at least feels like uh, they're not following the rules that they've been given an opportunity to follow. Are we really going to think that even if we descheduled this and we regulate it at the federal level, we know that the legacy market will always exist because they're always going to want to undercut the legal entity that is out there. And that is human behavior, isn't it? Well, let me ask you a question. You ever receive a phone call offering to extend your
1: warranty on an automobile that you may not even own any longer? Now, do we blame do we blame
0: the automakers for that call? No, right. Jimmy, we do not, we and, do but you, not. And you won't see it in the media as a lead story, but you will if it's cannabis. That's what bothers me, Yeah, yeah right?
1: it, And it should bother you because really there's a double standard. But the right. fact is, when you look at the culture of cannabis use, we're coming out of a system where, where most of us have been using cannabis on an illegal nature for decades. And in fact, everybody in the United States using cannabis right now is still breaking federal law. So <laughs> the culture of the cannabis industry is that laws you optional if i choose to that's cool if i choose not to also cool so it's disingenuous for a person to say i want everybody to automatically start following these laws which are not always clear are still in construction and sometimes don't really even make sense so this is a process we're in the middle of making mud all right and it's still water and dirt When we finally make mud, everybody will understand it and it'll all be the same. But for right now, it's going to be confusing. And let's not judge too harshly those people who are trying to um, use entrepreneurial spirit in order to capture a couple of bucks in a time when Americans are really suffering on an economic basis. In the middle of a pandemic, I find it hard to criticize anyone who's out there hustling to make a buck. I can appreciate that there are cannabis laws and we need to protect the people that are utilizing cannabis in in a regulated way. But we also shouldn't be putting anybody in jail for a plant,
0: no matter how ill composed their their messenger system is for you. Absolutely. And those that are behind bars still to this day for cannabis possession crimes need to get out. It is time. And that's one of the reasons why I support uh, Senator Cory Booker's uh, comments at that news conference basically saying this is a social justice bill more than anything else and and he is a hundred percent correct on that there is definitely a banking part of that however that has to be part of this as well as perhaps descheduling it once and for all rick thompson how do people get in touch and how can they follow the jazz cabbage cafe and your work sir where how do they find you if you want to be found
1: Well, Jazz Cabbage Cafe is is broadcast on all podcasting streams, uh, iTunes, iTunes. Spotify, Sprout, all of those things. Yep. Yep. Also on YouTube and Facebook, you can catch us every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. I also do a Wednesday show from 1 to 2 p.m. called 420 post, which is exclusively business centric. It's focused on the Michigan community. You can find that in those same social networks too. Or you can read my uh, my writings every month in the rolling paper magazine as I'm a columnist. Um, catch me on the social online as I do sometimes pen some opinion pieces. I'm, I'm pretty accessible,
0: Jimmy. I mean, they can always reach out to you if they want to get a hold of me, right? Yeah. and then we are and we are starting to share our contacts, which I think is the beautiful thing about this plant, which for is sure. all about bringing us all together for a common cause. Correct? Yeah, I agree with that. Thank you, sir. Good said. All right, there's Rick Thompson and uh, he is a regular on our We Talk News program. You can also see that Jazz Cabbage Cafe on Pro Cannabis Media TV, which we do stream live 24-7 on Roku and on Apple Plus app. And you can also easily find it on ProCannabisMedia.com. So for Rick Thompson, everybody here at ProCannabis Media, remember it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to another live edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. We'll see you next time here on PCM TV.
2: So I think there's one very important difference between me and most of my team members and other cannabis accounting firms, especially outsourced cannabis accounting firms. With a lot of the other firms, you're going to find bookkeepers or folks that were accountants for their entire career, but they were junior accountants. I've spent most of my career alongside CFOs at public companies, companies with thousands of employees, public companies. So much of my career wasn't spent in the debits and credits. It was spent with the CFO, CEO, COO of large public companies working on strategy, working on planning and big initiatives, working on projects such as mergers and integrations. So that high level experience along with being able to do the debits and credits and having members of my team that also have fairly senior experience and also members of the team that are junior and can do the bookkeeping at a little bit lower cost than some of the people with the experience gives our clients a much broader depth of experience than a lot of the other firms where you're hiring someone that is just a bookkeeper and can't help with the strategy side of it or someone that's been an executive for a long time and can only help with the strategy but can't help with the hands-on.
0: Pro Cannabis Media Programming and PCM TV is supported by Revolutionary Clinics, Massachusetts number one medical dispensary where the patient comes first. And by Salient Systems for Video Surveillance, you've got regulations, Salient has solutions for your security needs. And by Accounting Buds, your number one CPA specialist for the cannabis industry. And buy artery pay. Easy, cheap, fun, and legal. Just like cannabis should be.
2: Difference is building a solution for that individual. Not just a custom, here's a box, here's a video, here's how you make your VMS. We custom design and custom build every situation for exactly what the customer needs. And we keep the cost low. We have multiple tiers, you know, as far as what you're looking at on the cost side of things. If you want a one time, you know, where you just pay one initial cost, we have that. If you want to maintain your system and have the highest protection and highest capabilities and highest upgrades at all times, we have different plans for you. But we scale it so it's scalable and affordable 100%.